Welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast. I'm Jackie Goddard, and it's my mission to make entrepreneurs, leaders and speakers excited about sharing their business ideas, to watch them transform from fearful to fearless in front of their audiences. Power to Speak, the podcast is aimed at those aspiring to be leaders, entrepreneurs and speakers, giving them the opportunity to learn from those that have been there, seen that and got the T-shirt. I discuss with them how they've used their creativity, curiosity and humility to create their success. My guest this episode is Chief of Briefs and Deadlineologist Christoph Stoughton. Christoph, the founder of Deadlineology, is a big believer in small creative businesses and aims his business coaching specifically at micro-businesses, giving them commercial confidence, which he is very good at, I know, because that's what he's done for me. Having worked in event creation and dabbled in the film industry, he has a creative background himself and says he became a business coach to witness creative people build businesses they can bank on. No surprise then that our conversation covers creativity and how to value and use it for your business. Enjoy. So welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast with my guest today, Christoph Stoughton. And Christoph... Welcome. You are the chief of briefs and a deadlineologist. Thank you very much. That's a first to be introduced as such. Marvelous. Yeah, well then please explain. <laughs> uh, well, chief of briefs, um, really because uh, that's integral to, um, to the program that I run, which is called Deadlineology. Um, and as uh, as you know, um, I've tried to turn people into deadlineologists, so to get things done by a deadline, because that's at the root uh, of what deadlineology um, is all about. Yeah, and I I know that because we have worked together, and uh, you have very deftly made me <laughs> write a business plan and and actually focus on what it is that I want my business to be which has been amazing but when I when I looked into your your LinkedIn profile and that and you know sort of in research because obviously I'm good at yeah, that's that's what I do as a podcaster oh, no, I, do, I do my research um and you've got written down here which I love is uh to make sure that people have a clear vision of what kind of company they want to be and the value it offers so the so you give clients like myself the confidence to market their product to defend it and sell it and I know that from my experience because the confidence I now have in power to speak means that I am confident in defending it so where does where does that come from what what it's not something you would see written down to be able to defend your brand well I think um it sort of it sort of implies that in some way, shape, or form, creative people are under attack. They're, they're not really, but I think that they're very undervalued, um, and that tends to bleed through into the creative mindset a bit. Um, but once you develop a confidence, as you um, so kindly have, have said it, in what what value you can bring to the people that you serve. Then if someone says, well, can you do this for a couple of hundred quid? Or by the way, I've got some more work coming up later on this year, which you know you can have a go at. Um, the answer is no. What I'm delivering to you is incredibly valuable. And these are the reasons why. This is my value proposition. Um, and either you need it, you want it, 
or you don't. So uh, you get into that whole uh, situation where um, uh, creative uh, agencies, smaller agencies in particular, of which the majority of, of, of agencies are small, um, have to learn to say no. Um, but it's very difficult um, to, to, to do that because there's always a bit of a carrot there and all that kind of stuff. But if I, I believe that if you can defend the value that you offer um, and present it and express it with confidence, then people will change their mind and go, well, actually, no, you know, of course I was trying it on because I want to save my budget for the office day out in the summer. But of course, we should reward you uh, beautifully for coming up with every little helps, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how far has that gone? So, um, so yeah, that's the reason. That's that's why I mean defend is because you, you, you know, you can square your shoulders and say, look, no, actually, you may think that I do fluffy creative stuff, but actually, um, what I do is going to be very valuable for you in the future. Yeah, and, and yeah, absolutely. That's that's kind of what you've made me see about my business. Um, because we do have, you know, us, us creatives, and Ooh. not that there are creatives and non-creatives because we are all creative. Um, but those of us that are actually working in the creative industries or the arts, as the background that I have, is you are always seem to be seen as fluffy, as an added extra, as a luxury almost. And it was when I came into networking and started running my own business that I I, I got that impression from the from the businesses around me that kind of weren't sure where to put me, which is which is why I think I gravitated towards you and what you do, because that whole that whole thing of of being a creative, but knowing that there is a deadline and a brief a brief to work to. You know that's 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 at my core. I am creative, and I love to do the creative stuff. But if there's a brief and if there's a deadline, I'm not going to miss that. Otherwise, you know. So well, we're all programmed that, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, as as creative people, and you particularly, you you've um, you've uh, trod the boards in the theatre, um, both in front and, and behind the stage, and and you know that's a hell of a deadline. Um, and you know, I think that maybe actors are seen as being lovies and fluffy and all that kind of stuff and we were chatting earlier about you playing pool until you know it's time to get on stage um but uh you know it's quite a serious business standing up in front of people and the way that that's uh that's driven or the motivation is that there is a time at which you have to perform yeah. and it's a great motivator it's a fantastic motivator having a deadline yeah. and i think that you know anybody who's involved in that kind of project and I, you know, uh, delivery for clients who give them a deadline when there's a, a launch. I mean, I used to work in events uh, and we used to launch products on stage and there was an audience of 500 people and, you know, a thousand people or whatever at the NEC. And if you're not ready, then there's a whole bunch of people there expecting something and, uh, and waiting for it. So you've got to be ready. And it's a, it's a great skill to go from zero to delivery. Um, and, and meet the deadline. Um, and I think that, that well, that's at the root of, of what we were working together uh, uh, as well on was that you can apply that incredible skill to building a business. And that's you know more familiar to the creative uh, mind than it is to, um, to anybody else. And so why not use it? It's a skill yeah. that we all have already. Yeah, absolutely. So what was it that, that has, has made you kind of niche in that way to to work with with creatives 
in this way? I suppose because I was one of those uh, creatives with a business. Uh, I mean, I saw my colleagues will argue that I wasn't the least bit creative, but um, uh, yeah, well, we were in the we were in the creative industries, and I've, I've worked in the creative industries all my life. When I, I left school, I went and worked for a, um, a photography studio that also had a little side doing events. Um, and I used to drive a, a van up and down the country doing little events for the Ford Motor Company. Um, and I've, I've kind of experienced and been through the, the journey of, of working for a, a large creative agency um, uh, in, in the 80s and then starting my own and building that to a kind of mid-size agency. And I suppose I've been through all of the trauma um, of running a business and quite a sizable one with lots of people uh, and all that, all that comes with that. And also experiencing this kind of, um, I think we call it imposter syndrome now, but it's um, it's, it's a feeling that uh, of, of, of uncertainty because what you're promising to clients is an idea um, and they have to put their faith, they have to invest in the fact that you can actually deliver um, that as an idea. So I've, I've been through all of that um, uh, roller coaster, revenue roller coaster, as I call it. I've been through that um, uh, worry of, of having a business and making the payroll at the end of the month and all that kind of stuff. And I felt that with that experience and my training as a coach, I could contribute quite a lot to other creative people who want to have that security in their, in their business, that surety of, of building something that is going to last and going to be there next week um, and could fight their corner with um, other agencies and with clients and uh, the world in general. Yeah. So do you um, do you think that it's a, it's, a, it's a question that I ask all of my guests, and we, I suppose this is a bit early on in the conversation, but what is your definition of creativity? What do you see as creative? Well, I think that's part of the problem is that is that uh, nobody knows really do they I mean, it's kind of you know everyone has a, their own view um so for me it's it's the ability to to take a a brief so i want to brand my company as a for instance um uh can, can you can you do it for me uh, and there's obviously there's a whole bunch of stuff that they want to say through that but that's really that's that's uh zero um of anything you know there's nothing tangible there and then somebody will listen to that and they'll read the brief and they'll come up with something that is extraordinary and that to me is creative uh it's not something that um maybe you or i i'm not a designer i, I couldn't come up with it um not in a million years but some people see that and it's a kind of genius I, I think I, I saw it a little bit. We we dabbled in film production as well for for the cinema, and it was just an amazing experience watching. Well, first of all, ninety pages of script you can raise hundred million quid on. You know, <laughs> you have to have a bit of a background to get that kind of money, obviously. But um, that's uh, uh, that's quite a that's quite an investment. But watching the different disciplines on a film set come together and be directed to create a scene in a, you know, a particular memory in a sports hall in Warrington, um, you know, creating the interior of some, somebody's house. It's just, a, it's an incredible thing. Um, 
it's a, it's a it's a kind of uh, it's a, it's a magic. It's a genius to be able to create that kind of stuff. And you see it re repeated whether you're a painter, you're an actor, you're a, um, a designer, you're a, a conference organizer or a, an event planner or whatever. There's there's a bit of magic going on there if if the real creative stuff is there. And so um, that's I suppose that's what I that's what I think of creativity. But it doesn't necessarily. I mean, obviously, there are lots of people who are creative in business as well. Uh, I think I think you've you've uh, you've hit a nail on the head there for me, or maybe it's a light bulb moment. It's because it it is that uh, people trusting, and I think that maybe this is where the fluffy stuff comes from. Because at the beginning, if somebody asks you to create something, there isn't anything tangible. That it is an idea that you're you're selling in the beginning. When when you step forward and say, "Look, this is what I can." offer you there's there's nothing that um the customer the client can really get hold of they have to trust that you are going to you know you are or you will produce what you what you've said you will you know and whether that's on stage in a film a brand a, a graphic whatever that is a script you know you start with nothing and somebody else has to trust in your creative mind to actually come up with that product you know, so it's not like you're going out with a, a widget and saying, here's my widget, buy it. You know, you're, you're saying, I have nothing apart from what's in here. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. I think that's the reason why uh, in the creative industries, you know, in general, we rely on past work to try and sell the promise of the future work. Um, so, you know, that we, we work very hard on this is, is to actually to, to, to go beyond that. And, and define that promise uh, more carefully. Not, I've done that for somebody else, so I can do it for you. More, here's what I can do for you. And by the way, I've done that several times for some, somebody else. Yeah. That's a much, much more positive way of presenting uh, yourself. And, and, I, and I suppose the, the, your, your track record um, underpins your promise. But being able to describe your promise in, in, in enough detail for people to understand it and, and form an expectation based on what you said rather than what they anticipate is, I think, a much, a much more persuasive way and a much easier thing to sell, let's face it. If you've got yeah. a thing, you can say, here, this is my thing, like the widget you described. If you don't have a thing, you've just got a, here's what I've done. Yeah, then here's what I'd made earlier. Very difficult to defend, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know that's why the the confidence in in your brand and your story and what you know you can offer is is so important because it's very difficult when you know like with with what I do is I I give you the promise that if you work with me I will make you excited about sharing your business idea. But, you know, until you get in that room with me, until we come out the other end of that session or whatever it is that we're doing, you don't know that that's that I'm, you know, that's that's what I'm promising you. But to have the confidence to say, yes, I can, because I've 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 done it with this person and look at this. Um, it's it is, uh, it, as I say, it's it's finding something tangible. It's that thing of, you know, you're only as good as your last film or you know you're only as good as as what you've done before so could limit why then ha, did you go down the business route the business coaching route 
having having sort of come from uh, from events organizing well i get I mean, i guess it was a business uh you know we were um we were kind of communications insultants if you like we're often referred to as being terribly desperately rude but i mean you know we had a way of, of saying how things were um and and it was a business i mean you know we weren't in it we were we had a lot of fun um, we traveled around the world, we held events, you know, we had Nelson Mandela coming to our events. We had, you know, I mean, it, it really interesting uh, people that we bumped into in very interesting corners of, of the world. Um, but nevertheless, it was, we did it so that we got paid uh, at the end of, of the day. And actually just thinking back to what you said just a moment ago, the other, the other thing about this promise that you make is is that um, it's a, it's often a subjective thing in people's minds. So whether you are making a film and selling tickets, you know, people do or don't like it. There is a there is a risk there that if they don't, then then they're going to tell other people, and they're not. No one's going to go. And the same thing with with what you do. I'm going to make you excited about sharing your business ideas, and you work as hard as you can with somebody. And they're just never going to be excited about anything. <laughs> um, that's not your fault, uh, necessarily. So there is that kind of um, there's that kind of uh, um, uncertainty about what you deliver and whether and whether people are going to come back and say, "Well, actually, I didn't really like that." And how would you know? So um, so long as you can, you know you can put your foot down and say, "Well, no, this is what I am going to deliver," and and you can show that that's worked, then you're, you're fine. Yeah. Now I've forgotten what the original question was, John. <laughs> well, I think we started with what, why business coaching from from doing uh, um, events. But what what so what events were they? Was there a uh, a business? If you know yeah, these I mean. are corporate events. So these were um, you know we 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 didn't do we we occasionally did a little bit of fee paying stuff, but mostly it was us being paid by large corporation to do product launch or senior management conference uh, or um, you know um, incentive uh, events for you know the best 150,000 salespeople in American Express in Asia or something you know so that that was the nature of, of the business quite a lot of it was to do with changing corporate culture values um, new uh, new bright ideas in the boardroom brought alive on stage and communicated live to an audience. And we, we also had a video production company, which um, also produced the film, um, the a couple of films that we were involved with. And at a certain stage, a, a logistics company to do the badges, posters, stickers, and t-shirts. So a little kind of group. So Emerge. yeah, but I mean, so business, and, and I always felt when I was running, I mean, it's really hard, really hard. Stop me when I'm being boring. Really hard to, to gauge the success of a corporate event. So there, there are a few people who've come up with good measurement systems, but when I was started, you know, it was like, shall we hand out a, a, um, a feedback form? Which nobody filled in. <laughs> you know, you've got this thing, what's the first presentation? How was the chairman's presentation? Good, bad, or terrible? You know, I mean, who is, who's gonna put terrible? <laughs> and then sign their name at the bottom. No one's gonna, so it's really hard to gauge um, the, the value of what you had delivered. And quite often in that scenario, it was a feeling or, or the client went, yeah, that was really brilliant, by the way. Thanks very much. And send me your invoice. Um, and and I think that that um, 
that that um, made me quite defensive having said i defend um what i do but um maybe maybe quite defensive about um you know being being uh, outgoing about what we did and the success that we we had we couldn't put our finger on it but once you can put your finger on it then you can put your finger on it for other people and you can express it to other people so uh so it's that that uh, on the one hand that hard to define creative bit when you know you've done a great job and the business of charging for that and realizing the value that you you've delivered because i think one of if i was to you know um one of the really essential things important things for me in my work now is that i can help creative people understand that value that future value that they deliver um, and charge appropriate and get rewarded. Charging is only part of the story, but get rewarded for that work. So that when they deliver something, a client doesn't sort of take it and go, yeah, thanks very much. It's not very good, but you know, here you go, here's I suppose we'll pay. No, they want to take it, you know, you want to be able to say, no, this is this is now all over your brand new product. Yeah. What was the value of that? That's a huge value. It's made everyone really proud um, to be a part of this. Uh, uh, business that you've started or you know it really speaks to um the audience that you're you're looking at or you know this corporate video has got yes it's got six million views but more than that it's promoted exactly what you wanted it to promote and so the the, the comeback from that has a has a long tail it's not just they enjoyed the video there or they enjoyed the event but because they heard what the chairman's new idea was um and, and they all bought into it because he delivered it in a way and in, in an environment that was fantastic they're all going to do it later on and, and the success of the business carries on and it's really hard to point to that but it is uh, it's valuable and i think that um, a lot of creative people underestimate that and certainly a lot of clients underestimate what it maybe they do that on purpose but maybe it's just an ignorance of the process no, well, I think the the whole value proposition is is uh, is very valuable, absolutely, um, and I think it's it is a problem that lots of small businesses have, and I think sometimes it's why small businesses don't get bigger is because they don't they underestimate their own value, and they think you know I'm absolutely guilty of it myself. You know, you kind of put put a, a price per hour on your head, and that's that's how how you walk into a room. And somehow, you know, you need to realize the value of what you're offering and that value to the other person. Well, how else are you going to charge beyond the limits of your own time? Mm. You know, and if you're, if you're selling yourself by the hour, there's not much room for growth because there are only 24 hours in the day and uh, you can't work all of them and it's just you. So how the conundrum uh, of, of, and it's, it's um, certainly part of what I do is to look at, how you can extend your genius beyond the limits of your your own time. Um, there is a, there's also a limit. You can charge more and more and more because you're really 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 good. But eventually, you run out of runway that way as well. You certainly run out of time runway. So how how else do you do that? And I think that there is a genuine desire for creative people to to do that for two reasons. Firstly, so that they can uh, expand who they serve and secondly so that they can create some lasting value 
in the business because once you've created an entity and an enterprise if you nurture it and and, uh, and make it substantial enough I, I steer clear of the word growth but you make it substantial enough it, it then can be handed on it can be moved to somebody else either sold given um, you know deputized you can deputize your involvement in it to someone else and still remain so it becomes a thing that that has some value normally i think the creative mindset is look all the ideas come from me so when i stop that's it sayonara yeah and it shouldn't be like that because you know you, you just work hard to create a really successful business and then and then you decide one day you want to go on holiday and suddenly there is it, what you're saying is that it doesn't exist without you um and and that's different to us to kind of building a like a retail business or a product driven business where you know there's a stock and there are people with a sales process and all that kind of stuff that's sellable for how much depends on your skill in building it but um it's different with a creative uh, business i think yeah no absolutely H- how could a creative person find that value in themselves how how would you advise a creative to kind of put a value on what it is that they're delivering well i think i think that thank you for that question that gives me a chance <laughs> to really be boring but i think that it's about having a a a rounded uh approach to to the way that you conduct or the way that you charge for what you do it's simple um and that means that you've got to have a you've got to have a bit of a story you've got to have a uh, a way of being able to say to people look um i am uh, this creative person but i'm not just going to go away and do something creative <laughs> um, what i am going to do is i am going to um to do this this uh this thing that aligns with my why the reason why i get up in the morning um you've you've also so you need you need to to back up what you do with the story of why you're doing it um simon sinek and all that sort of stuff i I think you also um you need to you need to know who you're telling that story to you need definitely um to know uh the the kind of the building blocks of what your business is is going to to do for other people so in my case you know uh it was make a video um do a conference um do some communications consultancy teach you how to speak whatever um and then you need to package them up because if you don't package them up then you're you're going to be doing a lot of pitching because people are going to ask you to pitch for for something because that you haven't explained what it is what, what the package is so you're going to get that situation where people go, oh, so what do you do? And you go, blah, blah, blah. And they go, and how much does that cost? You know, well, if you're making a three-minute video, that could cost three-quarters of a million quid, or it could cost 250 quid. So it's a bit of a non-question. But if you say, look, I can make you a three-minute talking head video for your website, oh, how much does that cost? Well, you can come up with a price for it. It baffles me, all that kind of... Or is it? It's kind of um, an awkwardness of of kind of of trying to put that value, and I'm I'm literally talking from from personal experience of as you know from putting a value on on what that is. So is it? 
if you look at it in a way that, sorry, my cat is, I might have to, I've been a, I'm being a bit distracted by the cat. Okay. So apologies, apologies for that. It was lucky to me because a black cat had crossed my path and all that sort of stuff. We're not ending here, just taking a quick break to remind you that you're listening to Power to Speak, the podcast with my guest, Christoph Stoughton. We'll be back with Christoph after we hear from our friend, fellow podcaster and master of verbal communication, Andrew Thorpe. We're all in the persuasion business, whether that's pitching to a potential client, selling ourselves in a job interview, or convincing a teenager to tidy their room. How we frame our message and how we deliver it makes all the difference. And this is the theme of my podcast, Leaning Forward. I'm Andrew Thorpe. I'm a speaker, a trainer, and a storyteller. And I'd love you to tune in to our latest episode. So yes, I th- I think you did you absolutely did describe that whole kind of uh, thing around the value proposition and and how you can value what it is that you do rather than just putting a price on yourself per hour, um, but it is still something that I have have trouble with and I just wonder, do you gauge? Can you gauge what it is that you do and what you should charge by looking at other people in your sphere in in you know in what you're doing? Uh, yeah, I think inevitably you don't want to you don't want to price yourself uh, out of the market, so to speak. Um, but you do want to have a, a, a fair uh, fair reward for for what you are delivering. And I th- I think and you've heard me say this uh, before that it requires it requires looking at your the future value that you have delivered. So as opposed to saying, you know, well, well, I deliver value, what is the, be curious about what the future value is that you deliver. So if um, if I was being briefed for, uh, you know, a senior management conference at which a, a new corporate strategy was being announced, then instead of going, well, yeah, we can do this really nice stuff and it'll look brilliant and uh, everyone will be able to hear and see and there were flashing lights and then we'll bring on this and then we'll have a guest speaker who's absolutely fantastic and at the end of it, when all of that's finished, what is it that is valuable about that experience for the ongoing life of, of that business that is commissioning that event from me? And, you know, taking what you to do, uh, Jackie, the, the, you know, what does the power to speak give people once you have delivered that for them? Not accepting that they do quite a lot of work in that as well, but... You know what is what is that worth to them? And you know you 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 I know have a a kind of um, power to talk to investors. If you're working with someone who's trying to raise money for a business, and they manage to achieve that because of the way that they uh, the power with, with which they spoke to those investors and the creativity with which they did, then that's worth a lot of money to them. So why shouldn't you charge something that was worth a lot of money? For them to have that and and the confidence bit is that you you can persuade them that if they have that thing that you deliver they can get that value um and if they do uh, i've got a client who (laughs) says i like clients who do what i tell them and i couldn't agree more 
because a lot of clients don't bother to do what you tell them. And so it doesn't work. And then they blame you for it. But actually, it's, you know, but if they do, then they get something that they can take forward that is going to be, you know, in some um, instances, completely life changing. I'm sure yeah. you have seen that with with your work. You've seen people transform from meek and mild, or I don't want to say anything, into this kind of um, raging Steve Bulmers on stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Boosters to, to say yeah. what they need to say. Yeah. I don't want to get them overexcited. I mean, just, you know, just to get out there and deliver deliver their message. Um, but no, that is that's that is incredibly valuable to to anybody that's sort of in, in my position, just to hear that, I think. So thank you for that. Um, in terms of creativity, though, do you do you think creativity is important in in any business or just in creative business? I think that what what it is um, is absolutely essential um for businesses to be able to express themselves creativity is absolutely essential um there's there are so many uh different businesses in this world who are doing similar sorts of stuff how else are they going to differentiate themselves other than with a bit of creativity but also and now you can see how uh you know we've seen poet laureates on the news writing poems about um, this awful situation that's going on in in Ukraine, and you know the, the, they're writing poems about it. Why? Because it really affects people. It moves people, and that's creativity. That creativity works in you know across the board. We can't do without it. However dry, I worked with um, you know some large accounting firms, and that can be quite dry, and, and they needed our you know kind of spark to 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 ignite some of the ideas, which were brilliant. Um, in their own business because they weren't able to communicate them. So it's 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 an essential part of business, um, as it is uh, an essential part of our lives, um, creativity, uh, and it and it, it should and it's it's worth an awful lot to to businesses to have that input. Yeah, I mean, I I talk to people about their creativity, and it's amazing how many people say I am not creative. And then go on to do something very creative, you know, that, that they don't consider is creative. Whereas I just I believe that it's innate in all of us. I think we're kind of born that way. And, you know, I think there's a lot of creativity in problem solving and risk taking and all of those things that are involved in a business. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when people people go to creative companies, I mean, businesses go to which is my particular area, but businesses go to creative businesses to to have to solve a problem they need to sell more product so what do they do they go to a, a marketing company and say look we need to sell more of this and can you come up with a campaign um to sell more uh and uh, and that marketing business will use its creative mind to to make the best the best of it and sure they can probably shift some more product with a few clicks and all that kind of clever stuff that goes on on the interweb but I reckon the the bit on the top that really makes it fly is the creative bit. It's the that's the bit that people get excited about, and and that emotional engagement that makes them click through and put their credit card number. Yeah. So, no, and I think that's right. I think it is that emotional. You, that 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 emotional 
storytelling that the, the emotional the emotion that is in creativity that that we all kind of get excited about when we hear a poem or when we hear some music when we see a painting um but a lot of people take that as the only way you can be creative you know they look at that person writing that and painting that and playing that instrument and they think well they're creative i'm not because i can't do that so i think there's a there's a lot in the, the way that we we kind of go through school and the way we are are kind of trundled along our lives, listening to adults around us telling us what we can and what we can't do, what we should do, is that we all kind of have this creativity in us, but don't feel like we can express it in our work. And as a result, it's not valued um, for what it what it really is. Mm. Um, and and that is that's a huge that's a huge problem I think I mean I I spent a bit of time reading the, Peter Bazalgette did a a report on the creative industries and um, this is about three or four years ago I suppose maybe even longer now actually um, but there is a um, it's a huge industry over a hundred billion in this country uh, in the creative industries and we export a massive amount so you know forty percent of that forty billion odd goes uh, abroad. Um, a lot of it is film and, and, and television stuff, but it's you know it's a it's a very broad remit. So there's a lot that goes into that um, gross value added of a hundred uh, billion. Um, but there is an the the I mean try try raising money for your creative idea from a bank. It just doesn't compute because <laughs> you're not talking to people who have the the discipline to create something. They don't try it necessarily. And you're lucky if you're sitting in front uh, of a bank manager who is uh, mad on model trains because they know what it is to create. Um, and so that they'll so have some connection with with uh, with you wanting to just to, to borrow some hard cash for something that is essentially an intangible idea and is never going to get any more tangible than that, mm. by the way. Um, it's just a, a constant intangible. So um, you, you've got this kind of strange situation where there's an enormous amount of wealth uh, within the creative industries and it's all an intangible asset or most of it is an intangible asset mm. if once you've made a film I think yes you can you can sell it um, because it's there um, but initially it's it's and I think um, that causes government a certain amount of anxiety so they're they're desperately trying to get uh, micro businesses which is 95 percent of the creative industry is less than 10 people um is a, is a micro business um to grow up into slightly larger and more substantial businesses so that they become a bit more bankable and if you're the chancellor i suppose that means that you can rely on the tax income if if uh, creative businesses are a bit more robust and that is also partly what I'm about. I think we do creativity in this country like nobody else. I just, you know, certainly in, in business terms, but also in cultural terms as well. Um, and and that's worth building up into something. And it's worth giving us a national creative confidence, if you like, so that um, so that we can. We can go out anywhere in the world and, and sell what we do because we do yeah. it better than anyone else. Yeah. But again, it comes back to that risk taking and and trusting in that intangible idea and putting that investment into it you know it's it's that's why i think there is a there's a lot more people 
that you know the crowdfunding will take you know to to crowdfund for a film to crowdfund for any creative project seems a lot easier with uh, angels and investors rather than turning up at a bank you know you're you're more likely to get investment aren't you from from outsiders well it's it's a double edged sword it's really interesting what you say there because uh having tried to raise a bit of money on on some film ideas uh and you know and anybody who's prepared to entertain uh giving uh, giving us any money to make a film wanted our shirts and most of the skin off our backs and, <laughs> <laughs> and why because it's it's quite risky um and uh and i think that that's that's part of um, this commercial confidence that I talk about, which is de-risking in the minds of the people that you're, you're making a promise to, who are going to pay you lots of money for that promise. It's de-risking that quite significantly so that they, they find it easy to buy. Yeah. Um, and easier to buy than from you than from somebody else if you're in the yeah. competitive uh, nature. And that's that's one of the great kind of, I suppose, I mean, you talk about risk in, 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 in terms of people taking risk, and I talk about probably more um, presenting yourself um, in, a, uh, in a way that gives people confidence because, you know, they're, they're, they're both sides of the same coin, I know, but that's the positive way of looking at it as opposed to, you know, give me a try. No, yeah. Don't give me a no, try. This is what I can deliver. This, absolutely. Yeah. And <clears throat> I have to say that is exactly what you've given me, is that commercial confidence to say this is me. And, yeah, the, 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 it comes back to the, the beginning of, of being able to defend what it is that I do and walk into a room and say, look, this is this is what I do. This is, this is valuable. Take me on. <clears throat> because if you walk in and you, you don't have that confidence, it's very, very difficult to defend and sell exactly what, what you have to sell yeah because people other people come into the room and they go hey by the way i can give you all of this and yeah. it sounds great and they may not be able to it's a sort of component thing but um you know quite often the client will go well i'll, I'll go with them yeah because uh, they they seem to know what they're doing yeah um, and i think it's made me think really that um actually creative people know in their own heads what they have to offer what that it's valuable um but we're not salespeople, you know, we're not trained in that sales way. But a lot of what I do is around around people, giving people permission to be themselves, to show up with their, their own personality and tell the truth of who they are, you know, with, with humility, curiosity and creativity. It's just kind of show up in that room as yourself, tell the truth, you know, and that's where the, comf the, the confidence comes from. That's if, if you if you don't have that confidence in, in yourself or what it is that you are capable of doing, then it's very difficult to convince anybody else that that's what you're you're capable of. I think it's hard to be humbled in that case as well. You look mm. just a bit a bit kind of unsure. Um, but if you've it's um, everyone talks about the strength in vulnerability, uh, and, and that's fine to show vulnerability. But underneath that, there has to be. A rock solid confidence absolutely um, in in your in your authentic self that you're yeah. being yourself and that you're doing your, you're doing your thing because otherwise it just feels a bit kind of fake yeah um it's an overconfidence i think as, as yeah. you said earlier yeah. it's not it's not a proper uh it's not a, yeah it's 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 just it's just a bit 
one dimensional. Yeah. You can't, you kind of have to take, it's like taking the audience with you as a, as an actor, when you're on stage, whatever it is that you're doing, you need to be able to take that audience with you. And you can only do that if you, you know, you're drawing people to you because of, of who you are and that, that confidence you have in yourself. And that's not an arrogance. That's, that's a, a humility. That's saying, look, this is, this is me. This is what I offer. And this, you know, this is, this is what you're going to get. And, and I suppose there's there's a uh, having trod the boards a little bit myself, <laughs> darling. Um, there's a there's a kind of uh, there's a, the comp, if you have that knowledge that you know that you can make an audience feel a certain way, then it's okay to say, look, hi guys, I'm a bit nervous. Yeah. Because a everyone else will understand that you're, that you're nervous. I mean, this is a nerve wracking thing, but. You're, you're 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 doing the opposite of being arrogant you're saying look i'm a little bit nervous but i know i can come through with you so give me a chance and off we go yeah and and then you can do your thing uh and and everyone will go well that's that's what you promised us so yeah. that's that's the reason why i'm here so, well I, yeah it's absolutely i would love to ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up i mean having listened to you trod, trod the boards you've made films you know you've, you've come to this point the, what was the nine-year-old nine-year-old christoph wanting to do when he when he grew up well apart from you know the odd you know desperate to be sean connery um, moments um I, I i wanted to be an architect for <laughs> Oh. I've never designed anything in my life, so uh, but that was kind of on my uh, on, on on my list. And what happened there? <laughs> I'm not quite sure what happened, really. You know, I got lost uh, in the things. Actually, well, now what have we built? Yes, I've I've uh, I spent quite a lot of time um, remodeling bad places where we have lived, yeah, um, and stuff like that. And I enjoy um, that kind of three dimensional um world that we live in uh architecture is an interesting thing for me yeah. particularly contemporary architecture I, I love contemporary stuff so it's sort of it's come out in in different ways it's not it wasn't it you know, not a career yeah. move but... yeah you know when i could i would never be i'm not strong enough to be an actor i mean you've got to you've got to be able to be prepared to be rejected all the time and i was never having any of that <laughs> yeah no that's hard that <laughs> is that is hard. really yeah, uh, hard. yeah. Uh, and, uh, and actually, as maybe that's a, a certain lack of confidence. Maybe that's why I understand confidence uh, and what it takes um, as, well, as well as I think I do. Yeah. So you spent some of your, your youth and your growing up childhood in Africa. Tell us yeah. My, my uh, dad what was that was, like? Yeah, it was tremendous. It was great fun. I, my dad was an expat, so and his company paid for my school, me to go to school in the UK. Um, and then uh, I was I'd fly out for holidays, mostly to Ghana in West Africa. Um, but uh, we travelled around a lot. My parents were great; they were very adventurous. They took us on, you know, place to places that, you know, to meet the Wanab of Wa. Have a look on the map; it's in the middle of nowhere. I've never been anywhere that's quite so off off the beach. Well, I've been in the Sahara briefly and the, the Namib and places like because I love deserts uh, as well. But yeah, Africa was um, was a glorious place for me growing up, uh, and I didn't have to um, to worry too much about anything when I was over there. And we did some really fun stuff. Yes, yeah, so I I hear you came face to face with an elephant. Yeah, I should have. I mean, West Africa's wildlife is, has sort of all been eaten. I think um, there was very little, certainly where we 
were we had to go to East Africa to, to experience that. So when we moved to Zimbabwe, just after just after the war there, um, yeah, we saw we went to see lots and lots of, of wildlife. But my parents took took me on <laughs> took us on a trip um, on a canoeing trip on Lake Kariba which um, lots of people will know, I'm sure. And we got off to, to um, stretch our legs on, a, on an island and it was sort of shaped like a, an hourglass. So it had a sort of constricted bit in the middle. And we walked around it. And when we came back to try and get back to our boats, there was an elephant in the constricting bit. So we couldn't get past it to where we wanted to go. And um, uh, yeah, and, the, and the, 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 the guide who was taking us, the ranger who was taking us, he, um, he said, look, we'll just back off slightly elephant will flap its ears look really angry and it was enormous bull elephant this thing and uh it'll flap its ears and then it's going to do a mock charge and you just walk back a bit and then it'll stop and then we'll see where what happens after that uh so yeah so um so julie this is exactly what happened and there were apart from us as a family there were two other people from liverpool who'd come on this canoeing trip and uh and they immediately turned around when this elephant came towards us. They turned around, ran straight into the water and started swimming out. <laughs> we all turned around and went, come back, there's crocodiles underneath you, <laughs> which we could see. Um, and whereupon they said, it's like a cartoon, they turned around and kind of <laughs> swam right back. Um, but yeah, that was all part of, that was all part of the fun of the fair. Uh, wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, part of everyday life. I would imagine out there. Yeah, and, uh, we we were talking about power cuts the other day. Having a power cut for four days here, and my, we we spent a lot of time certainly in, in West Africa with no power. Um, so uh, all the lights went out, and we had to entertain ourselves in different ways, which were you know didn't involve electricity quite a lot of the time, uh, which was fun. It was good. It was, it was a tremendous upbringing. Um, I had lots of friends over there, and. Uh, and it was pretty chaotic and tremendous. I loved it. Yeah. Is there anything from your from your childhood that you kind of bring into your your work now? Is there anything you sort of learnt from either living in Africa or or you know those sort of experiences that you had that you, you have sort of shaped you as a, as an adult? Do you think? I'm sure there are. I don't. I'm not sure how conscious I am uh, of of them, but um, there is a kind of sense of there is a sense of fun uh, in uh, whatever I do. I mean, I think that if if you're doing something and is completely humorous and you're doing some stuff that's really serious business coaching, then it's you know you know it's, yeah. Well, you, I think um, humor gives us uh, a, a, a lot uh, of encouragement in all sorts of ways, and and maybe um, you know as certainly in Ghana where I lived in Accra for a long time or where my family were everybody laughed it was just a constant laugh and you know it was this it's why well, did you just smile and laugh a lot and I think that was just I, I think certainly that's carried carried itself over and you know when you're facing disaster and and you can just laugh at yourself then that's and it's bad so you you um put your finger on this with talking about humility you know uh it it does it humbles you when you kind of you go hands up just, just let's just have fun let's just have a laugh that and rhythm i you know i grew up rhythm with, yeah <laughs> because you know i've got african music in my or certainly west african music in my in my head 
quite a lot and i listen to a bit of it now even now um and it's you know it's a lot there's lots of it around now you can hear lots of it in lots of different places but um you know if a cue formed uh, in a car it was normally there was some dancing that went with it because what else are you going to do you just gonna stand <laughs> so yeah um, oh i love that oh that's what we should do that yeah i'm going to start that next time I'm, I'm in a queue i'm just going to start bobbing well you know, see if anybody joins in <laughs> stick your headphones in um, nowadays nobody thinks it's, it's strange at all no they them. don't no <laughs> no they walk along talking to themselves don't they with their headphones in and yeah let's talk a little bit about dead dead deadlineology yeah do you know what it is it's because there's no e in in deadlineology let me let me uh find let's there is that. no e i debated whether or not to put one in there or not but that's a much shorter word so it's that's what it is that's good. So deadly not deadlineology. Yeah. <laughs> so explain a little bit about what you do with deadlineology. Well, uh, uh, deadlineology came about. Um, I I, um, I rang, um, in fact, a chap called Roger Lindley, uh, who's a great scriptwriter, has worked in the um, creative industry similarly for an awfully long time, very long in these. And I said, help. When I go on to um, uh, uh, LinkedIn, there are 650,000 business coaches in the UK alone, and how on earth are we going to differentiate ourselves from from that? And he, uh, bless him, said, you need analogy. So this is what I came up with in response to that. Um, really on the basis that I was looking for, was looking for something that, that immediately um, anybody who was involved in the creative industries would recognise as common to, to, to them and, and deadlines you know our, our lives are run by deadlines you know it's either curtain up um, exhibitions open or um, you know the, a, a product launch uh, whatever it happens to be when you're working for um, clients deadlines are what you run your life by they give order and structure to the creative process you can sit there and come up with ideas till 2025, uh, I'm sure, and they'll all be absolutely brilliant. But without a deadline, it's pretty meaningless because everything's moved on. So at the root of, of, of what we all do as creatives is, is work to uh, a deadline. Um, even um, the, the, the most um, fay uh, of artists will you know, have to get something ready for their exhibition by a certain time. Um, so I thought that would, that would reflect um, uh, the kinds of people that I like to serve um, and, and feel that I can, uh, can give some benefit to. And that got me kind of thinking about, well, what, what's the process that leads up to that? Uh, and of course, it's in the shape of a brief, uh, which has a, uh, a budget and a deadline attached to it. And you respond to that brief and um, we all do it. We get something in from a client, they brief us, we start from scratch, create something marvellous and then deliver it by a deadline. And that to me is an incredible process. And so uh, deadlineology is all about applying that process to the business of building a business. Yeah. And, you know, that's exactly what you did with me in the process that we went through, um, because you got me right at the beginning of us working together to to think about a presentation that I would I would 
then make or a pitch even of my business to any anybody and you know whoever wanted to listen there was there was no there was nobody in in mind at that point but actually the the way it was it was structured there was that deadline at the end so to explain that process a little bit why why that process that you, that, uh, that that we worked through well it's a combination probably of 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 that um that knowledge of, of how to um fulfill and, and deliver a project married with a bit of kind of business theory i suppose which I got through my, my coaching training and also of, of running my own business. Um, uh, but it, it, it's it, what if you don't know where you're going, you, you've got no way of telling whether you're getting there or not. So that to me is the brief. Uh, as Roger said to me when he said, you know, if, if a client came to you and said, just go away and do something creative, your first reaction would go, yeah, fantastic. I do loads. And then you go, but what shall I do? Because if you haven't got a brief, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So um, in the same way, if you're building a business, um, and it, it's very, very helpful to have a, uh, your own brief for what you're going to achieve, your own vision for what you're going to, to create. Um, you also need to know what kind of commitment is required of you to, to actually make that happen. So hence, you have to give it a budget. And... You also kind of you can leave it open ended if you like, but you don't want to be 95 and still trying to build a thing that you didn't know what you're building in the first place. You, you know, you want to get to a stage where you say, well, I've done that. I can either I, I can do something with it. I can make a choice as to what uh, what happens. So that is really the process that the same process that I go through with um, or we went through um, together and I go through with clients is of, of seeing what's in they want in their lives recognizing that their business is, is the thing that's going to deliver that for them. So their business, they'd like to be a certain shape and to deliver uh, uh, for them a, a certain set of metrics of, of, of emotional uh, delivery of, of uh, financial and functional um, goals that they have. And then to work through a response for that. And the, the purpose of pitching it, as you did, was because you you want to persuade people that it's worth investing in your business, um, and by doing that, convincing yourself that it's worth investing in your business because you're inevitably going to be the biggest investor in your business. Um, you're going to put the most time in, most money in, and, and all that kind of stuff. And if you can do that, then I think you can persuade some clients to make that investment in you um, and what you promise to do for them. Yeah, that's a, I that's a, that describes what, what what I put you through, or we <laughs> what you put me through was hell. <laughs> no, it was great because you you did make me realise that actually I am the biggest investor, and actually the person I was pitching to was me. That and then that was that was the whole point. But I liked the way as well that we worked in slides, <laughs> and I think that's you know that appealed to my my creative brain was actually that I was visualising what each step was because each step was a slide in a presentation so i assume that's that's deliberate that's certainly deliberate because i think um you know you can agonize over i mean i always say that <laughs> um you know being concise is for me one of those really really important things to to be um because none of us have time for long-winded waffles type stuff. And here I am waffling on still. Um, and and 
slides is what I kind of grew up with as a, as a, as a support to what people were saying. And it's, it's very easy to write your entire script on a slide, but actually if you can boil it down to its essence, it's a really good way of communicating and using uh, for you yourself to, to communicate, to express what it is that you want um, to say about your, your business. So yeah, that is, that is deliberate. And it's, you know, when you look at um, investor pitches, um, people like sort of Airbnb and Uber and things that they, they raise gazillions on the strength of sort of kind of 12 slides. And you should be able to do that yeah. uh, with your business too. How many did you have? I think you. I think we got down to 12 with you, didn't we? Yeah, more Maybe. or less. I was working to 12. Yeah, I think there might have been a couple of extras <laughs> in there, but no, I think we, we we kind of stuck to that. I mean, and the other thing as well was, was that you never once mentioned the word business plan. And actually, once I'd kind of transferred all of our notes onto a Word document, basically what I had, what I have is a business plan, which I never thought I could do. So thank you for that. You are the ideal client because it's all the right <laughs> thing, Becky. But yeah, no, that is, I, I, yes, I don't trailer it because I think that business, a business plan is very off-putting to an awful lot of people. Everyone knows they've got to have one, but they don't really do it. And then they put that off and it doesn't really have any shape. And so this is a, it's a kind of sneaky way of, of creating one, but one that actually means something rather than yeah. just sort of is loads of paper that sits in a drawer. And yeah. I hope that that's what has happened. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So how do you work with people and how can people come and find you? Who, who is your ideal client and uh, and how can they find you? So, uh, yeah, I, I target most of my effort on uh, creative micro-businesses. So that could be one person to up to 10 people, maybe a bit, bit bigger, um, but that, that's what a micro-business is defined as. Um, yeah, anybody who works on, on projects, basically, because I know that they'll be experiencing the kind of roller coaster ride of feast and famine um, when you're working really hard on one project, who's out there getting the other ones uh, for you. Um, creative, because I think that that, uh, you know, gives me the most fulfillment is when, you know, I'm working with someone who really, really nails the value that they can deliver. Um, and uh, it doesn't matter where they are in, in, in the world. Um, preferably speak English because I'm pretty European. Many, many, any other language really, apart from French. Um, so, uh, yeah, those. That's that's really my ideal. Excellent. Oh, that's great. So I'm going to show your LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, that's the best way to get in touch with me. Really, actually, LinkedIn now. Uh, website less and less, but um, LinkedIn more and more. Right? Yeah, yeah. But obviously, people if the uh, the website is quite detailed the different coaching packages that you do. So yeah, yeah, do head to the website if you can. Head to the website um, and uh, and have a look. Um, uh, and, you know, if you don't find what you want there, just give me a call. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for being on Power to Speak, the podcast, Christoph. It's been fabulous to have you. I have no idea what I've waffled on about, but um, <laughs> it's been tremendous fun. Tremendous fun. Excellent. Well, yeah, there was so much there to talk about. I mean, we could have talked for another hour, but uh, I'm aware that uh, we've done over an hour already. So it's been fabulous. A great conversation. So I'm going to say goodbye, Christoph, and uh, thank you for being a guest on Power to Speak, the podcast. Thank you very much for the invitation, uh, Jackie. Thanks to Christoph for sharing his insights and journey with us. Takeaways from our conversation for me were to have commercial confidence in my brand and my business to truly be able to defend it. 
and also the importance of creativity to business to really make it fly. You can connect with Christoph on LinkedIn and through his website www.deadlineology.com. And remember, if you, like all of us, are in the persuasion business and need inspiration or tips on the art of verbal communication, then tune in to Leaning Forward with our friend Andrew Thorpe. Find Leaning Forward on your favourite podcast platform. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. Bye for now.